Gina. Life, love and laughter. It would be fair to say that most of us want to look good nowadays, but the rise in the amount of people getting Botox injections, it's just unbelievable. I really wanted to know the real truth about Botox. You know, is it a poison? What can go wrong? Who better to talk to but Dr. Emma Ravishandran, an expert in this field? This is Gina. Gina. Life, love and laughter. So let's rewind it first of all, Dr. Emma. And thanks for coming in. Thanks for chatting to us. Thanks for having me, Gina. Looking forward <laughs> to getting all this knowledge. <laughs> I feel like you can just inject it into me, Dr. Emma. <laughs> so let's start with the actual history of Botox. How did we come across Botox? Oh, Gina. Um, botulinum toxin was first described back in the ni- early 1900s. So it was described by Professor Emil van Ermengen, and he was a pathologist way back, um, and he described the discovery of this botulinum um, toxin, which was causing lots of people within the the area that he was working in within Belgium to actually die. What he did was he traced this back to an actual sausage that had been eaten, a blood sausage, by everybody who had died. And he described this toxin as a botulinum toxin, so which means sausage poison. Mm. And that's where the name has actually originated from. However, back in the 1920s, uh, they actually started to try and isolate this toxin away from the bacteria. But it wasn't really until about 1970, whenever we started doing animal and human testing with botulinum toxin, not for cosmetic reasons, but more for medical reasons. So originally botulinum toxin was tested in humans for the treatment of strabismus or a squint in the eye. And it really was only after the um, clinical trials of this toxin for this medical indication that the doctors involved in the studies started to realise that the wrinkle relaxing potential of this drug as a secondary outcome for the treatment of strabismus and then wrote up papers to describe what they were observing. And then it was probably back in 2000, early 2000s, whenever the licence was granted for the use of botulinum toxin in cosmetics. It's become such a huge industry. And I mean, do you think at some point Botox, going for Botox fillers or injections, it's just going to be the norm, like going to get your hair cut, going for a facial? You know, Gina, aesthetics is changing very, very rapidly. The the number of patients who are looking for these treatments is rapidly increasing, both in men and women. And the age range is becoming um, younger as well. So, you know, I think that there's always going to be that choice. It's become um, less for the celebrity population or for the rich and famous and much more affordable and much more amenable to, you know, everybody in everyday life. What are you actually seeing? For example, when I was in my 20s, I didn't, I don't think I even knew what Botox was. I had no idea. And mm. I, I work in an office where there's a lot of, you know, 20, 30 year olds and they're talking about getting Botox, you know, injections like it's just the norm. Yeah. Is there a difference between that, those sort of like 20 year olds, 30 year olds, 40 year olds, 50 year olds? What are people trying to achieve? I think that the younger generation, the millennial generation um, are very influenced by social media. They're influenced by celebrity culture and they're influenced by um, bloggers and, you know, celebrities who use toxins. I think that some young people never want to have wrinkles. So they're going to have treatments done basically for prevention. Is it going to be a case though? Here's my 
perhaps a slight concern. Would it be though where we're going to have a generation of people that just don't have any wrinkles and young people growing up won't know what wrinkles are because we're going to wipe out the wrinkles? Absolutely. Do you know, sure, look at the television, look what we used to watch on TV. You know, Dallas, Baywatch and the early episodes of Friends when people, you know, the... The characters did not have butch line talks and it was quite normal for us to see actors and TV presenters who had facial expression. And if you look at today's celebrity culture, they aspire to have a very serene expression, not very much expression whenever they're younger as well. So they want that flawless skin look. But I wonder how you know producers and directors would feel about that because that's the whole thing, isn't it? A slight, you're watching a movie and you see a slight movement from someone or a slight smile or... Yeah. I wonder how they feel about that. Okay, you're not coming to this edition if you've had too much Botox because I need the frown. For some roles, then absolutely you will need expression. I think that in certain circumstances, it's quite nice to have that calm, serene, expressionless appearance. You know, if you're a, a supermodel or a model or if you're on one of these celebrity shows. Love Island or like something Love like Island, that. Yeah. Things like that, where they don't really want to be showing an awful lot of emotion, <laughs> yeah. then fine. But I think that if somebody needs to act, then um, they, they may need less toxin treatments. A lot of people's understanding of botulinum toxin is that it will have a complete effaceable emotion, and that's not the case. Toxin treatments can be done very professionally and very artistically to give different levels of treatment and different results. So you we're coming away from that kind of like frozen ex- expression. The frozen look and people the talk about that. Look. Yeah, And, you know, in Hollywood now, that's not what's fashionable. Actually, in Hollywood, it's like the no Botox. Botox is much more favoured. So you've got very little lines. However, you do actually still have movement of the eyebrows. And that's become much more sought after in, you know, 2018, 2019 versus that very obvious toxin look where the eyebrows have been elevated and they stay in the one position. So do you think perhaps there was a period where where people were just going too far? Absolutely. And I think the problem is that in both in television and in real in real life as well, you see bad toxin treatments. And that sometimes is the problem. You don't actually see the, the, the people who have had really good toxin treatments because they are the people who you think are just not aging. The actual industry you know how is it regulated you you mentioned there about perhaps creating an artistic look. Yeah it's regulation of aesthetic medicine is very difficult. In Scotland we've been really proactive and in fact we've been um, involved with Health Improvement Scotland in actually pushing for regulation within Scotland. So at this point the clinics which you go to within Scotland are regulated so um, so that they're fit for purpose. You can check on the HIS register that the clinic is actually regulated as well. However, there is a loophole within the law which allows non-medical practitioners to do a course and to carry out these procedures. Now, for example, uh, a non-medic or a beauty therapist can carry out dermal fillers because they are classed as medical devices. However, they would have to have a medical 
practitioner prescribe botulinum toxin because it is still a medicine. What's your personal view on when you said they're you know, a non-medical person? Yeah. We're talking about poison here. What's okay. your personal it's, view on it's that? It's not a poison, um, Gina, because it's from Clostridium botulinum and it's a very small piece of that protein that will have an effect on the, the nerve that innervates the muscle to cause a temporary blocking of that nerve. Okay, so it will not actually damage the nerve. It will not damage the muscle. It will temporarily block that signal going from the nerve to the muscle in order to tell it to contract. Non-medics can do registered courses for one day and they can be taught kind of a paint-by-numbers approach in order how to reconstitute and inject the drug. What can go wrong? Do you know, very little can actually go wrong certainly with botulinum toxin it is a a temporary medicine so it will have an effect on the muscle and on the nerve for four months on average but things that can go wrong are that the practitioner would maybe inject the medicine into the wrong muscle and you would get migration into a muscle that we were not targeting and the effect would be maybe to drop the eyebrow or to temporarily drop the eyelid which you know for somebody who's looking for a treatment to make them look fresher make them look younger is is a problem but as I say that the good thing is that it is temporary and it will wear off. Are there different kinds of Botox? There are three uh, toxins that are uh, commercially available within the UK. The drug is the same. It's botulinum toxin A, but it's made by three different manufacturers. And they, you know, it's like paracetamol is produced by different companies. Can I say like brands like yeah. Boots, like Superdrug, you know, who all produce the drug. The drug is actually the same, but the actual production of the drug is slightly different and will have a, um, an impact on how that drug is stored, how that drug is delivered, how that drug is reconstituted, and the doses are specific to that specific type of botulinum toxin. Now, Dr Emma, you're actually an aesthetic dentist. Would that be correct to say that? Yes. Um, I came over from Belfast. I went to Glasgow uh, University and I studied dentistry. Um, I practised dentistry for 15 years, so I did. I practised uh, general dental, or I practice general dentistry um, and I also moved into community um, where I did uh, hospital dentistry and finally paediatric dentistry. Um, I spent quite a lot of time, maybe about the eight, I maybe spent about the last eight years um, involved in teaching, so undergraduate and postgraduate teaching at Glasgow University before moving over to aesthetics. And then what made you make the change? So to be honest, um, I did both. I, I practiced aesthetic medicine independent for from dentistry. I just absolutely fell in love with the aesthetic industry. I mean, it is still such a rapidly evolving area of medicine. And whenever I first did a course, I realized that there was so much to learn. Really inspiring, you know, how you can you've really change not only how somebody looks, but how they feel about themselves, about their self-confidence. And it was a really nice job to do. Obviously, I absolutely love dentistry. But whenever push came to shove, I was becoming very busy doing aesthetics. I was also busy doing dentistry. I was teaching in dentistry. And because of my passion for teaching, I'd moved into teaching in aesthetics as well. 
So um, I had to make the decision as to whether I was going to continue down the route of dentistry or make the jump and move right over to aesthetics. And to be honest, my um, my heart told me that I had to go for aesthetics. It must be so rewarding. And I have looked online at a lot of your before and after pictures and you yeah. look before and you look after and you go, wow, that person must feel amazing. Um, yeah. That must be so rewarding. You mentioned fillers earlier on. They seem to go hand in hand. What is the difference between yeah. Botox and fillers? Okay, so botulinum toxin, as I said, is a medicine that lasts about four months and it's injected into muscles, which cause lines when we express. So those deep furrows that we get in between our eyebrows, crow's feet and the horizontal lines across our forehead are the most commonly treated lines with botulinum toxin. Dermal fillers are completely different, but they replace volume that's lost because of fat loss or because of bony changes as a result of aging. Dermal fillers can also be used to augment or to add to somebody's natural volume in their face, such as lip fillers, or maybe augmenting somebody's cheeks. But yeah, absolutely, they do do two completely different things, but they act incredibly well synergistically because botulinum toxin cannot treat sort of the drooping that you will get um, as a result of loss of volume in the cheeks as a normal course of aging. So they do work very well synergistically together. Okay, so the actual future of Botox then, kind of putting you in the spot here, I suppose, but what do you think is the actual future of Botox? The biggest thing within my area of medicine is waiting to see how, which manufacturer is going to come out with the toxin that will last longer than four months. The actual procedure of having a botulinum toxin treatment is very quick, it's very easy and it's very comfortable. However, four months does pass quite quickly. So the big drive, I think, from a manufacturer's point of view is trying to find that toxin or adding a protein or an amino acid or something that's going to make that result last a little bit longer. More people will become more qualified and more more trained um, they would be able to offer more bespoke treatments. I think personally that with regards to the way that the results are going, people are looking for much more natural results. They want to look good for looking good and not look good for having had a treatment. It will all be to do with trying to find ways of naturally regenerating cells. You know, it might be combining toxin treatments with more topical treatments it might be more stem cells it might be um, combining toxin with the likes of platelet-rich plasma which are your own growth factors things like that so who knows as to say aesthetic medicine is developing so rapidly always something to learn there's always something So if you're considering having a toxin treatment, the best possible thing you can do is get word of mouth referral. So you should see somebody who has had a treatment done and you think looks absolutely fabulous. Um, You should also research that clinic, you know, um, look at reviews online, look at their website. You should check out the qualifications to make sure that that person is who they genuinely say that they are. Um, You should look for that HIS regulation within Scotland to say that the clinic has been government approved. 
And also you should go to the clinic to have a consultation. You should meet the practitioner because the best thing that you can do is build a relationship with both the clinic and build a relationship with that practitioner because you're going to be there every four to six months for treatment. And you really want to build that trust and um, have that that doctor or dentist or nurse who knows your skin who has got your best interests at heart. Okay, Dr. Emma, final question, and that would be, aside from Botox and fillers and everything else that you okay. do, what do you think is the next big thing we're going to be reading about in, in the world of aesthetics, cosmetics? I think the future is in regenerative medicine, for sure. I think that we're going to be looking at fat transfer again, rather than fillers. So rather than having a synthetic bacterial sourced material, I think that we might be looking at ways that we can um, harvest our own cells in order to slow down the aging process or regenerate skin, regenerate fat, regenerate bone or slow down that aging process. Yeah, so I think that, you know, the future is bright. We're looking at more natural methods to, (laughs) to, you know, we're trying to get away from the, the silicones that used to be put in lips um, we're looking for more natural alternatives, more natural, both from um, an autologist, so from your own body, and also more natural in the results that they're delivering as well. So that's the way I think that the future is going to be with aesthetic medicine. But it's, it's exciting. Yeah, it certainly is. And to look at lots of it before and after pictures, uh, you can check out the website. It's www.clinetics.co.uk. And then we'll get you into the next podcast to talk about the next thing, the next <laughs> big thing in aesthetics. Oh, thanks for chatting to us, Dr. Emma. Thank you, Gina. What have you done? <laughs> <laughs> Nothing at all. You're beautiful. <laughs> Gina. Life. Love. And laughter. Like and share us and come back for the next episode next week. If you have enjoyed this podcast with Dr. Emma, then please like and subscribe and also check out some of my others, The Truth About Cannabis Oil with Emma O'Neill or why you might want to consider getting a life coach with James McCourt. Enjoy.